0: Uh, Let's start uh, this year's Christmas Eve series, which I want to call um, The Ultimate Gift. And I have to give this disclaimer up front. There's that gift, big box wrapped in the lobby, and uh, that was supposed to be up here. And the idea was, you know, the representation of The Ultimate Gift, and we just kind of moved it around, and it it just, there wasn't room for it, and um, Kathy Scaldani, if you know Kathy, I'm in the doghouse, because she spent hours preparing that package, and uh, so, um, I, you know, I got some, some, some work to do to patch up our, no, I'm kidding, it's not that bad, but um, <clears throat> if you know Kathy, thank her, because it was a really good idea, and just couldn't pull it off up here, so it's been fun, though, because the kids are seeing it, like, they're rising Rise and Shine, and like, oh, what's in that, who's in that, um, so anyway. Um, we're going to talk about the ultimate gift, and the idea is that, that um, we're going to see in several passages of Scripture that, that God calls sending Jesus a gift. He gave us this gift. He gave humanity this gift 2,000 years ago, and we're going to take a look at some of the diff- different implications of that. And the, the word for today is anticipation. Anticipation. We're going to talk about anticipation and the anticipation of that gift, because sometimes uh, over the years, as life kind of happens, uh, we lose our sense of wonder and excitement and anticipation surrounding this incredible thing that God did for us 2,000 years ago. When it comes to Christmas, for me, anticipation is, is the word. Like, that's, that's the best part of Christmas every year, is the anticipation. My favorite day is Christmas Eve because everything is still like, you know, the day's still ahead. And, and I remember growing up. Um, my parents are fortunate to be raised in a relatively healthy family, like, my parents are still together, and, um, we still like each other and love each other, and, uh, you know, so it was a pretty healthy environment, and, and Christmas was a big deal in my family growing up. Now, my dad worked in a factory, my mom was a part-time hairdresser, so it wasn't like, you know, we were, it had an abundance of resources. They provided for my needs throughout the year, we had everything we needed, but, but, um, Mom would save her, um, her, her tips, and Dad would work overtime to make Christmas a big deal. So there were always, you know, Christmas morning was incredible, and lots of things leading up to Christmas. And there was just a season of anticipation. Like, I, you know, I remember it started with the attic once a year we'd go up to the, the attic and you know the door would drop and I could still because uh, it was just you know once a year and you were ready to decorate for Christmas I can hear that spring that when you pulled the the and then the rickety ladder that that kind of folded down and you always wondered if you were going to break through and you know um, take the fall of shame through the through the ladder rungs uh, get the decorations down they were covered with like whatever you know soot and dust and nastiness from the attic and set up that. My mom was a great cook, um, cookies from scratch, all kinds of cookies, and uh, Chex Mix from scratch like bought all the stuff separately um, uh, before you could cheat and just go buy Chex Mix and you know, the Worcestershire sauce with nine sticks of butter that that made the Chex Mix and <clears throat> um, uh, Continuing the food theme, uh, every year we'd go to Smithville to the Barn Restaurant and uh, make that wintry drive and count the lights, and it was all a part of the experience. Then we'd go to the Players Guild in Canton uh, Christmas um, uh, Christmas Carol and watch that every year, and uh, nothing like walking out of school as a kid on the last day headed into Christmas break and all the anticipation, the excitement of. But, if I'm really honest, for me, the most exciting part was the treasure trove under the tree Christmas morning. Because listen, being an only child has many advantages. I love being an only child. If you're not, I recommend it. Um... But the number one benefit of being an only child is Christmas morning, it's all for you. (laughs) If it's under the tree, then it's for me. (laughs) The anticipation, and it started with like, you know, the Sears catalog, the JCPenney catalog, um, that I can still smell the, you know, you open that catalog and you get that ink and paper smell and circle in the starter jackets or whatever it was that was gonna make my uh, G.I. Joe, whatever, uh, that was gonna make my life amazing and then wondering if it would be under the tree and going down on Christmas morning and is that it, is that, you know, what, it's the, the excitement of the gifts, the anticipation of the gifts. So when it comes to the gift that God gave us 2,000 years ago, We're going to read a scripture today that shows us that this was something so big, the implications were so vast that even the angels in heaven... Looked in anticipation at wonder, trying to figure out exactly what that gift might look like. What was in the box? What was in the package? What are the implications? So we'll see the prophets of old and even the angels themselves were excited about the magnitude of this gift that God gave. And then we'll see how, you know, some of the things that cause us to lose our anticipation. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this now. Buckle up. Because this is a long one. And there's lots of commas and only a few periods. So this one kind of feels like it goes on and on. But in terms of Christmas um, scriptures, this, this encompasses the gift pretty well. So hang with me and then we'll uh, unpack it or unwrap it. <laughs> that was real-time comedy. as is evidenced by the laughter. (laughs) All right. This is 1 Peter. Chapter 1, let's start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. So this whole thing stems from mercy. We'll talk about that later, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. This is an eternal thing, not a temporary thing. Kept in heaven for you. Who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials... So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes or is perishable, though it is tested by fire, may be found a result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Take a breath. Here we go. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. They looked into what's in that gift. Inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you. This is a gift for someone else. In the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. NIV says even angels long to look into these things. That's another translation of the Bible. Even angels long to look. So the idea here, this... The prophets, the people who wrote the books of the Old Testament, they knew something was coming hundreds of years before Jesus. And they couldn't quite figure out what it might be. And then even the angels in heaven kind of got whispers and, and, and saw some things but couldn't quite put it. They, they looked on with wonder, trying to figure out the implications of this powerful gift that God was giving humanity when he sent Jesus. Now it's important to realize, when we look at First Peter, that, that this was this was just a couple decades after um, after the, re- the death and resurrection of Jesus, and, um, and one of the things that comes clear as you as you read the Gospels, is they were still putting this together. Like there was no moment when when Jesus sort of you know just deducted deduced. Here's the bullet point. Like, they, they, were, they were putting their, their arms around the implications of all this, and, and so this was still all fairly new. They're, they just knew this is something really big that God has done. There was tremendous anticipation and excitement surrounding this gift that God gave us 2,000 years ago. So the question to start out today in the series with is, is how about you today? What is your anticipation level, your excitement level over this gift that God gave us 2,000 years ago? Is it something that you're excited about? Is it something that you find great joy with? Or maybe it's something you've never really even opened for yourself. Like you've you've never really received this gift. You've never thought much about this gift. Maybe some of you are like, I know where I've been and I don't deserve. That gift isn't for me. Or maybe you have. You get it. And, and you were once really excited about it, and then now you realize that, that that's all kind of faded because it happens. I mean, I've been in ministry 22 years now. I've been following Jesus for like 30 years, and, and I know that you know, I, I see the highs and lows in other people's lives. They, they're excited, then they fade, and even other church leaders, and even myself, moments of excitement. And, and I was talking to somebody just a couple weeks ago, and this was really what birthed this topic, There's this guy who was um, um, fresh off a a few years into into freedom from addiction, and, and there was just such excitement, like this dude, genuinely excited about Jesus. And I found myself halfway through the conversation thinking, dude, tone it down a little bit. I'm like, Alex, what's your problem? This guy is genuinely excited about Jesus, and, and why aren't you that way right now? And I thought, man, I need to explore this a little bit, because when we're not careful, life, which comes at us fast and furious, can kill the excitement surrounding this gift that was so big that even angels were excited about the possibility. Okay, so let's take a few minutes. I want to walk through some things that I see in my life and in the lives of others that generally diminish our excitement for this gift. Okay, they they, they ruin the anticipation for this gift. And the first one that I see is guilt. Now, I'm not, I don't think, a high guilt person. But I know quite a few people who are just plagued by guilt, and a lot of it has to do with the environment that you grew up in, maybe a church or, or religious authoritarian figure or something, and, and, but, but you really struggle with guilt. Why? Because you know where you've been. And we know our failures. We know our sin. We know our bad moral choices. We know how difficult it can be to make, we know our addictions, we know the things that that create distance between us and God. We know, we remember spring break of 99. We have all these things. <clears throat> and they're on our mind and plague us again and again and again. And we feel at the end of the day like we just don't deserve this gift. It ruins the gift because we can't see ourselves as worthy of, I, you know, I tell you guys this all the time when I wrote, when I, um, get to talking to, meet somebody, whatever, and it's, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a pastor, and you see the recoil. And then there's some kind of a statement of, yeah, I could never do that, or God would strike the, strike the building with lightning. Like the idea that they know where they've been, and there's no way that God loves them enough to offer something to them that they could connect with. And then others... Uh, very aware of the grace and mercy of God, yet still just stuck in feeling like you have to earn it, feeling like you have to maintain it, feeling like you're in and out and in and out of God's mercy and grace. And so this this recurring um, oppressive guilt is one of these factors that just ruins the excitement and anticipation of this gift that even angels longed with excitement to unpack and see. Um, Another factor that I know can really ruin or um, lessen the anticipation, dampen the anticipation, whatever you want to call it, is... um, is concerned for the, like the temporary. Like, you, you remember reading that this is imperishable. This is, this is something eternal. This is something that lasts, uh, this gift from God. Uh, but, but Jesus Jesus uses, he says that, that we get this seed of faith, and for a lot of people, it's choked out by concerns of the world and the pursuit of wealth. So it's the idea that there's these temporary things, and we just, especially in suburban America, um, Like, we get running after all temporary things. And we just sort of lose sight of this eternal gift because God doesn't hang out in the temporary. He hangs out in the eternal. And so, um, you know, we we want the new job and then we get the new job and it comes with its own hassles. Or we want the new neighborhood and then we get the new neighborhood and now we have new annoying neighbors. Or we, um, you know, we, we... the health, or we get the new car and then we drive off the lot and it's depreciating and it's not, we get the new electronic and it's, and it's obsolete and the, or, or, you know, we, youth sports, we're all into youth sports for our kids, but that comes to an end. Or it's, it's a, we take, you know, health and, and, and appearance, but, but skin starts, you know, we get the crow's feet and the, 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 things start sagging and, and whatever. That's, you know, the, the temporary things that we run after are just that. They are temporary, but they can distract the whole thing. And so maybe that's for you one of those things where you just have, have a tough time really getting excited about this gift because you're just all in, focused on these temporary things. But there's one more that I wanna talk about before we get into uh, to walking through the scriptures. Uh, and and I, I see this, <clears throat> for me, it's one of the great killers of joy, uh, one of the great distractors. If there's this incredible gift, it's, it's, it's one of the things that, that keeps us distant from really understanding or receiving the impact of, of receiving the gift for us. And that is, uh, bad things come into our life, trials, struggles, difficulties, setbacks. And many people tend to see that as evidence that they're wrong, that they're out of step with God, that God wasn't interested them in them in the first place, that they're distant from God, that God is against them, that God is mad at them, um, that God is irrelevant, whatever. We, we, we look at the hardships in our life, And that becomes, for us, evidence that the gift isn't for us, or maybe the gift doesn't even exist. And I see this a lot. It's a whole mindset that's out there in a huge segment of the population, where deep down, we go through these difficult seasons of life, and for us, it just means, yeah, God's not in this, in the first place, or God is against me, or whatever, Okay, so think through those things and and see if you relate with one. Like, what is it that's killing your anticipation and excitement and joy uh, from this incredible gift that was so great that even the angels were excited about it? And then let's walk through that scripture and I'll break it down into chunks and see if any of it speaks to any of that for you, okay? So first of all, We looked at the causes for the discouragement. Now, let's look for reasons to regain a sense of excitement and anticipation. Back in verse 3, 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So this gift, for those of you that struggle with guilt, this gift is birthed through God's great mercy, not through anything that we deserved or we earned. So you feel like you don't deserve This gift from God, good. You don't. You're just self-aware. Like me, I don't. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. That's why it's called a gift. And it's generated from God's great mercy. And it's also imperishable. It's a work God is doing in us. It's a new life. So, Peter says that, the evidence of this gift is the resurrection. That, that, and essentially what he's saying is Jesus made this audacious claim that, that he was providing a ransom for our sins. He was paying for our sins. Essentially, when he was crucified on the cross, he paid the death penalty on our behalf. So you're aware of your sins, I'm aware of my sins. Those sins are punishable by death. That death penalty was already paid. It's a gift. It's undeserved. It was done by God. That's part of the incredible nature of this amazing gift that got even the angels excited was God came to earth and he paid the death penalty for us. So it's not about us earning it. It's not about us deserving it. It's not even about us maintaining it. It's, It's imperishable. It doesn't need to be maintained. We are in it through our faith. And it's our faith that makes the connection with the death penalty that was paid for us. And that's the gift. It's a gift of great mercy. And it's not something we go in and out and in and out. The Bible says he paid the price for our sins once and for all. And so this is not a gift given or it's it's not a reward in the sense that you earned it. It's a gift. And it's an incredible gift. And it's reason to get excited about it. And the more you are plagued by guilt the more excited you should be by the language Peter and many of the other gospel writers and and authors of Scripture use because it is from God's great mercy, not because of anything you have earned. Now, we could probably just stop there. But I want to walk through one more aspect of this that that I think is very relevant because... uh, One of the things that robs our joy is we walk through difficult seasons of life and and we then feel like that gift isn't for us because God hates me and God's done with me and God's punishing me and all that. This is a real problem in, uh, in society, okay? Well, I want you to walk out of here never being deceived by those thoughts again. So here we go. This is verse 6. In this you rejoice. So this is the idea of new life, new life that God gives, new life from God's great mercy. We're all excited about that. We rejoice in that. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praises and praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So revelation means the uncovering. Paul or Peter says Jesus will be uncovered, you will be with him face to face and at that moment all the work that God's done in you will come to fruition. It's all going to be made known. It's going to be a great moment and he says he gives a framework for suffering. <clears throat> he says yes you believe this but you still suffer. And later he's going to say even Christ suffered. And that's what I want you to see in this is what Peter says is a part of this gift is we are an exclusive club, a small club that understands that suffering is not punishment from God. Suffering is used by God. I'm not saying God causes suffering. I'm not saying God is thrilled with suffering. But the promise is that no matter what you are going through, God will use that ultimately for your benefit now and forevermore. So when you stand before God someday, all that suffering is going to refine your heart and make you better and make you more connected and everything else so that it's a better moment when you stand before God. Now we need walking through this world because this world is hard. It is not for the faint of heart. We need... A framework for understanding suffering that goes beyond, yeah, well, God's mad at you. Like that's archaic compared to what Peter says. Peter said, and, and here's the thing: He talks about Christ's suffering. We we just read it. But then he says, everybody's gonna suffer. You're going to suffer, and it's going to be for your good. Part of the gift of Christmas was that Jesus, God in the flesh, came and what did he do? And he suffered on the cross, highest form of suffering. And through that suffering, God brought something good. What did he bring? He brought forgiveness of sins for everybody through suffering. So God shows us, I'm gonna show you an example here. Suffering brings about something good. And all, the authors of scripture, they suffered. Peter, who wrote this, was crucified upside down. He suffered. The prophets of old, they suffered. It's a part of the story. It's a part of God's work in you and in me. What an incredible gift it is that God said, I am going to do something to help my people understand suffering. I am going to come and suffer and through that suffering save everybody. It's an incredible gift of Christmas to understand suffering. If nothing else, I mean, like, I love the whole forgiveness of sins thing and eternity with God thing, but I also get this framework for understanding suffering, that it's not something that's bad. It's unpleasant, but ultimately, God is going to use it for my good because that is what he does as is evidenced through sending Jesus. Now, one more thing. I'm gonna read verse 10. We'll get back to the anticipation. long to look. Now here's what I want to close with. How fortunate are we, how blessed are we to be living right now? Because for hundreds of years prior to the coming of Jesus, these great men and women of God could only look in and wonder, what's God going to do about this mess? And even the angels somehow talked amongst each other, wondering, looking into, what is God doing right now through all this? But we live in a time where we get to see it through the writings and scriptures, and we get to understand this is what God did. This is how God saved the world. This is the meaning behind suffering. This is what we get out of suffering. This is what Jesus came to do. This is how much God loves us. This is a gift of mercy. This is something that we don't have to try to earn like every other major world religion. That's the biggest difference. This is something we don't have to earn. All of this packed into this incredible gift should be cause for great anticipation, great excitement, great joy. And so I hope this Christmas season you can think through some of those joy killers in your life and then think through this incredible passage that Peter gave us for all the reasons to be excited again about what God has done for us. So we're gonna do one last song. And during the song, it's one of my favorite Christmas songs, there's this line where we're, Come and see what God has done. And as Nicole sings, I hope you'll connect with this idea of tremendous excitement and a soul that just says, come and see what God has done, a reminder of the excitement surrounding this gift, a gift so incredible that even angels were filled with anticipation and excitement as they thought about it. Let's pray. God, thank you for this amazing gift that you gave us, and I pray that you would work in our hearts right now through this song, and through your word and produce again the excitement that this gift deserves. In Jesus' name, amen.